Stories capture our imaginations, don't they? Stories have always been used to grab people's attention. They've always been used to stir us up. Throughout history, they've been used to rally men and women to a variety of causes. So think about some of the stories that we're very familiar with. So for instance, what would have happened to Snow White if the story had stopped and the prince had never come? Think about the story of Han Solo if he had been stuck in kryptonite for all eternity and then never made the next movie. Think about if Marty McFly's parents had never fallen in love and if Nemo never got out of the fish tank. Snow White would have slept happily ever after, which is not the way the story is intended to go. Han Solo would be an eternal really big paperweight Marty McFly would never be in the future to come back to the future. Darla would get her birthday gift. And you know, Nemo would suffer the inevitable flushing if Darla got him. For the manger of the cross is the story of Jesus. But what if the story stopped at the cross? What if Jesus had just died? And that was all there was to the story. That was the end, that there was no resurrection. And the last chapter of the Bible would probably be John 19, 41 through 42. And the Bible would end this way. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Therefore, because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. If the story of Jesus stopped here at his death, the story would be one like so many others of inspiring, brave, dead heroes. For instance, think of Spartacus, a man who lived several years before Christ did, and he was fighting against the Roman Empire, and he inspired men for a long time and forever. Braveheart inspired us. He fought against the English. But at least Spartacus, he had something similar with Christ because they never found his body. All these, it's, it, these heroes have inspired millions of people throughout the course of time. But they all have something in common. They would all have something in common with Jesus. They would all be dead. Just dead, inspiring heroes. What would it be different if Christ had died and stayed and dead, the end of the story, there'd be no resurrection. Thomas would never become doubting Thomas. There'd be no Apostle Paul. There'd be no book of Romans or Philippians or Hebrews or Colossians. The book of Revelation, if we didn't have the book of Revelation, think of all the speculation and all the guessing and imagining and all of the discerning of that imagery that wouldn't take place. No Catholic church, no Martin Luther, no Calvin, no Protestants. King Henry wouldn't have to start a new church to get a new wife. The Puritans and the Quakers wouldn't have to seek refuge in a new land. On what grounds would we establish a constitution if there was even a constitution in a new country? There wouldn't be an Easter? Perhaps all of us would be observing Passover, or wouldn't be an Easter, there wouldn't be a Christmas. Perhaps all of us would be serving Passover in about a month. 
and we would all get eight gifts and observe Hanukkah instead of just one at Christmas. Perhaps we'd be Buddhists or Hindus or Muslims. Perhaps. Think, football could start before noon and no one would care. And this is what Paul had to say about the death and resurrection of Jesus in his letter to the Corinthian church. He said in 1 Corinthians, if you're, if, and if Christ had not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if and if have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Why would Christians be pitied? Why would our faith be in vain and worthless? Let's say that Jesus was just a great miracle worker, that he healed the sick and he cast out demons and he calmed the seas. Let's say that, let's give him that. Then if he died and he stayed dead, all that power would be dead with him. If he died and stayed dead, then he might have come and done some great stuff while we were alive, but he didn't overcome death. Death would remain the reigning champion and the king over all creation. So to have hope in a dead miracle worker would be like having hope in Harry Houdini. It was a great show while it lasted, but there's nothing much to see anymore. Thanks, folks. Have a good night. Houdini is dead, and with him, all of his skills, all of his tricks, all of his his little illusions are dead too. He would have been just another Spartacus, another Braveheart, another Houdini if he had just died and stayed dead. Change the channel. The show's over. What's next? Paul says that we as Christians would be pitied above all men if he had never been raised. Think of it like this. This is right where my family lives. 24-7. Just think of it like this. What if? What if someone were to show up and say, we have the cure for autism? And we stopped every single therapy and everything we were doing. And we invested everything in that. We made testimonials about it. We bought all the books. We made our own books. We made our own videos. We talked about it. We invested everything in it. We went all out saying this is the cure for autism. Now, let's just apply that to you. What if it was MS? What if it was cancer? What if it was scoliosis? What if it was dementia? What if it was heart disease? And you had the cure. And then you found out it was all dead. Would you not be pitied? Would you not think that you had invested everything you possibly could? You had gone out. You had talked about it. You had even claimed that it was true. You had been the spokesperson for it. And then you found out it was all false. It is that feeling. It is that emptiness. It is that hopelessness of finding out that everything you had invested in was gone. That is what Paul is talking about. When he said we would be pitied above all men if Christ had never raised from the dead. 
Jesus accomplished the resurrection, what no man has ever accomplished. He overcame death. He overcame death. No one has ever said that. I mean, people probably said they could, and they probably tried to figure it out, how they could pull it off and keep you fooled for a while. But no one has ever really pulled that off. Buddha is dead. Mohammed is dead. Confucius is dead. Name a religious leader, and I'll show you their their grave, or maybe the urn where their ashes are. But I'll put that up against Jesus any day, because with Jesus, there was an open grave. And there was nothing there. 2,000 years ago, there were those who went and saw it. There were those who went to that gravesite and they saw the stone rolled away and they went inside and they found the shroud that he had been wrapped in, but he was not there. And it wasn't just a few of his fanatical, delusional followers. Those Roman guards saw it. There were many who saw it. The scripture says that he showed up to over 500 He was alive in the days following that Sunday when he came back from the grave. You see, the resurrection was the final claim to power. It was a statement of supremacy that cannot be challenged. 1 Corinthians 15 says it this way, the last enemy to be destroyed is death, and Christ did that. No one can overcome, I mean, no. so let's just say that that he, he overcome the raging seas and he, claimed, and he healed the blind and he, and he cast out demons. And maybe someone else has claimed they've done that, but no one can claim they came back from the grave. No one can claim that. No one but Jesus. And this is why the story is so incomplete if he didn't come back from the grave. Because the promises he made can only be true if he had the power to overcome death. For instance, he said things like this. I have told you these things that in me you may have peace, and in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That is a promise. And I can just tell you, I can walk through this room and I could point at people and I asked him to stand up and I'd say, tell me about the peace you had in cancer. And he would be able to tell you about it. I could walk through this room and I could ask many people, tell me about the peace you had in your circumstance. Tell me about the peace you had in your life as you almost lost it. I could walk through the room and point it out to you. This promise is only true. They only had that peace because of Jesus came back from the grave. That's the only reason. He said this, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And I could take you through this room again, and I'd have people stand up and say, tell me what your life was like before Jesus. Did you have light? Did you have life? Or did you feel empty And they'll say, before Jesus, it was empty. But when I met him, I had life. I had light. And they can only say that because he overcame death. He said, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten of God who is the bosom of the Father. He, speaking about him, he has explained him. Who could say that about anyone that they could explain God? Who could say that? Only someone who had the power to overcome death. Through the power of God. To say that you could explain God? I mean, seminaries are full of people who say they can. They write books, but there's only one. There's only one that when we look at his life and his teaching, he explains God. And he does so because he overcame death. Look at this one here. He even talks about the resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. 
And he who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. This is what he's saying there. He's saying, if you believe in me, I am the resurrection. But you'll live even if you die. In other words, this body will die, but the spirit, who you are inside, will live because of him. And he could only make that promise, and it could only be true if he overcame death himself. If he demonstrated that he had the power to do that, that is the only way that anyone else could ever benefit from these promises or anything like them or so many others that he made. None of those promises would ever be true. No one could ever say that stuff and mean it unless he overcame death and gave that same power to those who followed him. That would be the only way that would be true. His story would be incomplete without the resurrection, but the story of Jesus goes on. He meets with his followers and he affirms them, and he gives them one last mission, go into all the world and make disciples in the name of my, in my name, in the name of Jesus. He says, I will send a helper, the Holy Spirit, who will live in you, and he'll help you understand all that I've taught you. And one day I will come back, and ultimately we will all be together for eternity. You see, his story is not a story that ends ever. It didn't end when he died. It didn't end when he resurrected. It didn't end when he ascended. It is still going on today. And I can walk throughout this room, and I can just say, it is going on today in Dave's life. I can walk through, I can touch the shoulders of hundreds of you and say that his story is still going on in your life because you share it with me. You tell me the changes he's making. I have the benefit of that. It's the beauty of my job to get to hear how Christ changes lives, how people experience peace, how people can say, I'm not afraid because I know what waits for me on the other side. I've said this before, and, but it's just, so, it's just so vivid that when my father-in-law died, we had the service in the funeral home, and there were however many we were on that side of the funeral home, and it was so enjoyable to be together. Because we were celebrating his life. And not only were we celebrating his life, we were celebrating where he arrived when he closed his eyes that last time and he reopened them on the other side. We knew where he was. We were grateful for that. We were celebrating that one day we would be with him. And at one point I walked out of our hallway into this large hallway and across the room from us was another funeral. There was no such joy there. There was no such gladness there. I would venture to say that room was full of people who were unsure, who didn't know what had happened to their loved one, who didn't know where they would arrive when they died, who had no hope in death at all, who had no Savior who had overcome death and could give them that hope. But we have that hope. If you were to ask me, am I afraid of dying? Eh. I'm not looking forward to it. I don't stand out in the traffic on 995 and just wait for it to happen. I worry about leaving my family, but I can say with certainty that when I do die, I have no doubt at all 
about where I'll wake up. And that where I wake up will be a better place than I could ever, ever imagine or dream of. And there are people who are waiting for me there. My mom, my dad, both who profess Christ and believe in the power of the resurrection. My nephew Jacob, my father-in-law, my brother-in-law, so many others who are there waiting. And there's no doubt. There's no uncertainty. Now, this is the question of resurrection. Can you, do you have that same certainty? Do you have that same ability to have peace when death knocks on the door? Jesus didn't even rush into death, but he went into it with a certainty about its outcome. Those who know Christ can do likewise. You see, the story never ends, and there is great hope. There is great hope because many people would say, well, he's a liar. That's not true. And you say that about a lot of people these days. He's a lunatic. It couldn't be possible. You can still say that about a lot of people these days. Or, as C.S. Lewis concluded, he is Lord. There are not many people you can say that about because no one overcame death. Only he could. And for him to make all those claims, he would have to be one of the three. And each of us in this room have to choose. But understand this. Your choice has eternal consequences. To dismiss him means that you write yourself into eternity, into an eternal separation from God. But to embrace him means you write yourself into an eternal existence with God. Jesus died on that cross. He came and he paid a debt that he did not owe. He came because you and I are born born into this world. We have a host of little ones in the back room back there today. The unfortunate fact is that every single one of them were born into this room separated from God with no hope of being ever united to him unless Jesus died and overcame death. And that in that, he made the offer available to every man, woman, and child to receive forgiveness of sin and to overcome their sin debt and to have a vibrant relationship with him in this life and one that will blow our minds in the next. Every one of us were born that way. But in this room, there are many people who believe this message, who believe that he actually did die on a cross, even though he didn't have to, and that he did pay this penalty for sins that he never committed, and that three days later, he did raise up from the dead and overcame death. And in doing so, they embraced Jesus. This is what he says. He says, all of us are separated from him. All of us are sinners and have gone our own way. We choose to want to do it our way. We want to say, what I believe is right, and what you believe is what someone else can say, but what I believe is right. And he says, no, no. This is the eternal standard. This is what's right. 
And in this book, it says every man, woman, and child is born a sinner, separated from God, and apart from believing that Christ died on the cross for their sins. And in the shed blood, in the blood that he spilled on the cross, that blood covers their sin. That blood is the payment for their sin. In a giant celestial judicial court, that blood pays for their sin. And by believing that he died for our sins and that we did not have to, we do not have to, and that we could not do anything to pay for our sins, believing that, simply believing that, we come into a relationship with him, understanding we're sinners, understanding he's our savior, understanding his payment was enough for me. That is what he requires from every man, woman, and child. And that is what gains men, women, and children an entry into heaven, eternal life, the ability to take the promises that we flashed up here, and so many others. That is what makes it possible for people to understand those things. This, praise God, is the next verse. This is not the end of the story. It is just the next chapter. That on the morning after, then they came down after Saturday had gone and it had passed. And then Sunday morning comes, they go to the tomb and they find the stone rolled away. And it's empty and he's not there. That is the next verse. And praise God it's not the end because there's so much more that comes. And what happens is this. This is the great hope. The story of Jesus changes your story if you let him. So this morning I have one question for you. You can go through life determined to say you have it figured out. You can go through life and say, when I die, it's on me. You're right, it is. But you don't have to go that way. He can change your story. He can alter your story for eternity. And all it amounts up to is for you to say, I realize I can't fix my sin problem. I need Jesus to do it. I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit is working in your heart if you've never trusted him. And that when you sense that something inside of you pulling at you, do not resist, for that is eternity calling. That is eternity calling. Just talk to him in your own words. That's all that he requires. Simple belief in your own words. Let me pray for you right now.